Hello and welcome back to the UFO and Aliens podcast. I'm your host, Rick Black. It has been a crazy week. I'm out of town at a conference for my day job, and I've been checking in on the podcast from time to time, and the downloads are exploding. I don't know what happened, but there have been more downloads this week than any other week, and not by a little. I know I have some dedicated listeners, and I really appreciate you, but there are also some new folks having a listen. And I say, welcome to you, and I hope you're enjoying listening. Tell your friends. Last week, I talked about the coin helicopter UFO, and I also mentioned the rash of UFO incidents in 1973. Today, I'm going to look into an interesting case of abduction. It is the Pascagoula abduction incident. The Pascagoula incident involved two men, Parker and Hickson, both from Gauthier, Mississippi, or Gauthier, Mississippi, depending on who you're talking to, who decided to go fishing after their shift at the Walker Shipyard. They were fishing in the Pascagoula River when they heard a buzzing sound behind them. Both turned and were terrified to see a 10-foot-wide, 8-foot-high, glowing, egg-shaped object with blue lights at its front hovering just above the water, about 40 feet from the riverbank. As the men, frozen with fright, watched, a door appeared in the object, and three strange beings floated just above the river towards them. Now, I would be flipping out. Maybe I would be frozen. I don't know. It was on the evening of October 11th, 1973. 42-year-old Charles Hickson, 19-year-old Calvin Parker, told the Jackson County, Mississippi Sheriff's Office they were fishing off a pier on the west bank of the Pascagoula River in Mississippi when they heard a whirring, whizzing sound, saw two flashing blue lights, and observed an oval-shaped object 30 to 40 feet across and 8 to 10 feet high. One source says the object was 10 feet wide and 8 feet high, and another says it's 30 to 40 feet across. There were only two witnesses, and that's a big discrepancy. Both men are frozen with fear. One article says that they were paralyzed somehow and couldn't move anything except their eyes. Another one says that Calvin Parker passed out and was out for the entire event. He feels compelled to go along with Hickson's story, but really doesn't know anything except for the initial sighting. So, the men are frozen, either by fright or they've been rendered motionless somehow, and a door appears in the object. The way that this is worded, it makes me picture a smooth side of the object with no seams or indication that there's a door, and then, poof, a door appears and three strange beings float out of it. They floated just above the river towards the men. The beings had legs, but they didn't use them. They were about five feet tall, had bullet-shaped heads without necks, slits for mouths, and where their noses and ears would be, they had thin conical objects sticking out, like carrots from a snowman's head. Except not just where the nose should be, but where the ears should be also. 
there's a drawing of this, of this thing on ufoevidence.org, and it's really odd-looking. They had no eyes, they had gray, wrinkled skin, round feet, and claw-like hands. Two of the beings grabbed Hickson. When the third grabbed Parker, that's when the teenager fainted, passed right out. Hickson claimed that when the beings placed their hands under his arms, his body became numb, and then they floated him into a brightly lit room in the UFO's interior, where he was subjected to a medical examination with an eye-like device which, like Hickson himself, was floating in midair. When the exam ended, the beings simply left Hickson floating, paralyzed except for his eyes, and went to examine Parker, who, Hickson believed, was in another room. Twenty minutes after Hickson had first observed the UFO, he was floated back outside and released. He found Parker weeping and praying on the ground near him, Moments later, the object rose straight up and shot out of sight. This craft makes me think of a movie I saw years ago with my cousin. We would watch these outrageous sci-fi movies that were so bad, we would make jokes about them the whole time. Kind of like Mystery Science Theater 3000, but before that. In the movie I'm talking about, there's this submarine. From the outside... It is this tiny little submersible that you could probably fit three people in if you squeezed them in, but it would be a tight fit. But when they showed the scene from the inside the submarine, they were in this huge room with two doors behind them, obviously leading to other rooms, and the characters were sitting at the controls with so much room above and behind them, it looked like the bridge of a massive aircraft carrier. That's what I think of. Because the craft is described as being 10 feet wide and 8 feet high, yet there were two humans and three aliens in there, at least, and one of the humans was in another room. That is one magic egg-shaped craft. So, that's what happened, allegedly. At first, the two men didn't want to tell anybody because they were afraid of the ridicule that it would cause and nobody wants that, right? But then they thought that the government might want or need to know about it. So they called Kessler Air Force Base in Biloxi. But the Air Force was like, nah, we're good. You should probably call the sheriff. They really didn't want to go to the local police or sheriff because they were worried about the reception their bizarre story might get from the local law. So. Get this. They decide to drove to the local newspaper office to speak to a reporter. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. Not if they were worried about what people would think. I guess they weren't worried about the ridicule like they claimed. Something doesn't sound right here. They get to the newspaper office and it's closed after hours. They felt that they had no alternative than to go and talk to the sheriff. I guess they couldn't wait until business hours to tell their story. I'm really coming into this with an open mind, but it just doesn't have that truth feel about it. I'm going to keep trying. The sheriff, after listening to their story, 
put Hickson and Parker in a room wired for sound in the belief that if the two men were left alone, they would reveal their hoax. Of course, they did not. The local press reported their tale. The wire services picked it up. And within several days, the Pascagoula encounter was major news all over the country. The Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, APRO, founded in 1952, sent University of California engineering professor James Harder to Mississippi to investigate. J. Allen Hynek, representing the Air Force, also arrived. Together, they interviewed the witnesses. Harder hypnotized Hickson, but had to terminate the session when Hickson became too frightened to continue. Hickson and Parker both subsequently passed lie detector tests. Heineck and Harder believed the two men's stories, and Heineck was later quoted as saying, quote, there is definitely something here that was not terrestrial, end quote. Well, if they didn't want attention, they got it anyway. I really think they wanted the attention based on what they did, not on what they said. Hickson gave interviews and lectures. He appeared on television, including an episode of the game show To Tell the Truth, which was a game show that featured a celebrity panel that tried to guess which of the three contestants is the person they are claiming to be. I don't know which one was on the Dick Cavett show, but one or both of them were. In 1974, Hickson claimed he had additional encounters with aliens, and in 1983, he authored a self-published book, UFO Contact at Pascagoula. Hickson died in September of 2011 of a heart attack. Parker started going to UFO conventions, and in 1993, he started a company called UFO Investigations to produce television stories about UFOs. In 2018, Parker released his book entitled Pascagoula, The Closest Encounter, My Story, which is the first full account of the event given by Parker, along with how it affected his life. Their story was in the April 1975 edition of Flying Saucer Review in an article titled The Pascagoula UFO and Occupant Incident. Their story was the anchor of the book Beyond Earth, Man's Contact with UFOs by Ralph and Judy Bloom. On the cover of this book, there is a sentence that reads, Are Van Daniken's ancient astronauts landing in America today? Well, I guess that's more of a question than it is a sentence. This book was published in 1974, so that's how far back the ancient alien theory goes. It just took 25, 30 years for it to gain traction. And there's a new book called Beyond Reasonable Doubt, The Pascagoula Alien Abduction by Philip Mantle and Irina McCammon-Scott with a foreword by Calvin Parker. And there is more out there. 
The story has legs, and people are continuing to look into it and write about it. Unfortunately, you can no longer interview the witnesses. Parker just recently died from kidney cancer in August of 2023. Back on June 22, 2019, the city of Pascagoula allowed a historical marker to be placed at the site of the alleged abduction. It was funded by the Historical Society. Parker attended the unveiling, as well as Hickson's son and family. And Parker said, quote, It is emotional for me. I can't really describe it because I would break out in tears if I do. I wish when I die, I could be buried right here underneath this plaque. That would explain it best. End quote. It looked like Charles Hickson had no problem dealing with people knowing about his encounter. Until his death in 2011, he told his story to anyone who would listen. But Calvin Parker, now that's a different story. He said that the encounter turned his life upside down. He was not okay with the instant notoriety. He was bombarded with people wanting to learn more about that night. There were reporters and UFO enthusiasts actually going to his work at Walker Shipyard to talk to him and ask him questions. He tried to lay low and stay out of the spotlight. That had to be tough for him. The incident made headlines, sparked a wave of UFO sightings nationwide, and became one of the most widely examined cases on record. Skeptics ranged from the deputies who first interviewed the men to an author who sought to poke holes in the story. And Parker has had conflicting thoughts about whether he was visited by aliens or demons. One source says that Parker fainted when the entity grabbed him and was out the whole time. Another says that Parker was conscious but paralyzed. If that's the case, then he would have a memory of the incident. He said, quote, They gave a thorough, I mean a thorough, examination to me, just like any doctor would. End quote. Now, how would he know that if he was un- unconscious the whole time? When they were back on shore, where it all began, one source says shore, another says pier. The UFO was gone, and Parker said they tried to collect themselves. Hickson needed three shots of liquor from a bottle in his car to calm his nerves before deciding to report what happened. At the Jackson County Sheriff's Department, deputies initially suspected both men were drunk. Then Captain Glenn Ryder said he laughed at the report, but met with the men anyway. Parker and Hickson stuck to their story. I mentioned before that the sheriff put them in a room that was wired for sound to try to catch them pulling a hoax. The sheriff expected them to say something like, well, we got them fooled, but on the tape... Hickson tells Parker, I'm scared to death too, son. You can't get over it in a lifetime. Jesus Christ, have mercy. The sheriff was convinced that they were genuinely afraid of what they experienced that night. And for two weeks after the encounter, hundreds of reports flooded into the authorities in southern Mississippi. 
They were hoaxes and humor, too. A Long Beach, Mississippi taxi driver told police a being with pincers tapped on his window. A story he admitted days later was fake. A Mobile, Alabama television station said it would record a UFO appearance predicted by a psychic between Mobile and nearby Pascagoula. Roughly 1,000 cards converged on the spot where nothing happened. An Ocean Springs alderman proposed an ordinance making it illegal to operate a UFO at more than twice the speed of light on US-90, the coast's main drag. Mayor Tom Stennis voted against the ordinance, joking he didn't want to discourage tourism. Parker had a hard time with the attention. He married later in 1973 and eventually took oil industry and out-of-state construction jobs to escape the attention. He said, quote, By the time you get somewhere and they figure out who you were, I'd just go. I'd just go find another job somewhere. End quote. Aviation journalist and UFO skeptic Philip Crass found discrepancies in Hickson's story. He said that Hickson refused to take a polygraph exam conducted by an experienced examiner and concluded that the case was a hoax. Now, I mentioned earlier that both men had taken and passed a polygraph test. Is Phil Crass saying that that was not by an experienced examiner, or did, is he dismissing that happened at all? Which is true. Skeptical investigator Joe Nickel wrote that Hickson's behavior was questionable and that Hickson later altered or embellished his claims. Nichol speculated that Hickson may have fantasized the alien encounter during a hypnagogic waking dream state and suggested that Parker's corroboration of the tale was likely due to suggestibility because he initially told police he had, quote, passed out at the beginning of the incident and failed to regain consciousness until it was over, end quote. A claim supported by Hickson during his To Tell the Truth appearance. So, we have conflicting stories about whether Parker was awake or not. When that happens, it almost confirms that someone is lying. So, Parker says that he was... If you think it could be serious, ask me to call emergency services or someone you trust. I wasn't talking to you, watch. My watch just interrupted me. Where was I? Oh, we just caught Parker in a lie. Um, he said that he was unconscious the whole time. And then he said, quote, they gave me a thorough exam. And I mean, thorough exam. Both can't be true, right? So what do you think? If you're intrigued and want to look deeper, you should pick up one of these books. You can find them on Amazon and you can probably get one for about 20 bucks. And it would be a fun read. But remember, believe none of what you hear and half of what you read. If you like the show, I would like to encourage you to help support the show. You can help me out with just $3 a month. Just go to the website and click on support. I would really appreciate the help and would be happy to give you a shout out. And in addition to that, I will send you a beautiful, 
UFO and Aliens podcast sticker. These are really cool, and you really want one. You can put it on your laptop, your back window, or whatever. Do you have a UFO story that you'd like to share? Is there a UFO story that you'd like for me to look into? Just send me an email at UFO and Alien Podcast at gmail.com. I'm Rick Black, and I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>